Hey folks, welcome to episode 257 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Palm Harbor, Florida. I'm Jody White, joined by <laughs> the one and only Kyle Wood, who's in Norwalk, Iowa, right? Yes, sir. Quite, uh, quite the difference between where I'm at and where you're at at the moment. Well, I don't know about that, man. I mean, Norwalk, Iowa is famous for a uh, lot of palm trees and big bass <laughs> and uh, a, lot of, a lot of things, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it is really brown looking outside, and actually yesterday, it was warmer here than it was most of our time in Florida. Wow. So, it felt nice. Well, that's great, and the fact that it's brown is really wonderful, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, you gotta love you gotta love that part of being up north when you just get literal months of it being brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, But, hey, there's open water. Uh, when I flew back into Des Moines, there was a lot of ponds that didn't have ice on them anymore and i guarantee next week uh you can probably launch a boat on some reservoirs down here and get after some fish so that has me pretty pretty stoked that is pretty exciting news i was looking at the calendar and kind of mapping out what my like what direction i thought i was going to take my life and travels for the next let's say month or so Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure basically the rest of this month i'm gonna be in the south I just haven't really decided where yet, you know, but then I think beginning of April, we're back to Vermont. Hopefully we get a few days in on the south end of Champlain, maybe the north end of Champlain, maybe other lakes to like just really wreck them. And uh, then I got to go back south for like two weeks or whatever, but I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get my licks in up north, but not quite yet. Okay. Okay. At least that's the plan. Um, but anyway, do you want to talk about fishing? Because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we should we should get after it. All right. Well, first thing up is going to be the interview portion. Uh, haven't done it yet, but the man of the hour is going to be Jim Neese Jr., who won the Toyota Series event on Lake Chickamauga uh, just several days ago. Uh, actually, father to Corey Neese, FLW Pro Circuit Pro. You will... Probably remember him from such hits as not wearing a hat, um, doing well at Cherokee last year, almost winning the College Fishing National Championship one time, mm-hmm. and also crushing at Sam Rayburn. Um, yeah. But anyway, we're going to talk with Jim, and then after that, Kyle, you and I will be back, and we are going to talk about the Harris chain for several hours, and then <laughs> maybe a few other things. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's get it. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Jim Neese Jr., uh, winner of the Toyota Series Central Division event on Chickamauga. Uh, Jim, congratulations on the win! Hey, thanks, man. It was it, was, it really meant, meant a lot to win down there. It was a it was a tough tournament, and I'm just I'm glad I was able to put it together. It really it I, you know following it from afar, you had really impressive consistency. Because uh, it looked like that tournament was, from a weather standpoint, just from a condition standpoint, there was something new to deal with every day. Um, and, you know, right. you weighed 18 and 18 and then 20, and you really can't do much more consistent than that. And also, you know, much better than that. Obviously, you won the thing. Um, can you kind of, like, tell us a little bit about how you were catching your fish and just break it down for us? Well, the to be honest, the when I first got there was on Monday, and it was me and my dad. We were 
we always practice together for those things. And I literally fished Monday all day and, and half a day Tuesday. And, you know, we idled and grabbed and looked around and fished hard. And I never caught a bass until Tuesday afternoon. And my dad actually, you know, he, he helps me and he, you know, throws different baits here and there. When I'm throwing one thing, he tries to throw another. And he actually started getting bit on a swim bait where I was actually throwing an Alabama rig. And, you know, it it didn't take very long for me to realize that they just weren't going to eat that Alabama rig the way I anticipated it. And it also opened my eyes that the fish were there and were going to feed. And uh, obviously I got down the bottom of the boat and tied a single swim bait on and you know the rest is pretty much it it you know started putting putting things together after that and of course didn't have near as much time because a lot of time had passed of you know looking but you know it just i literally had three places that was it you know that i could get bit but i knew there was a lot of fish there so that's that's the way it went down Hmm. were they fish were they fish you could graph or was it just that you knew they were there just based on the sort of position and that sort of thing. <clears throat> That's all it was, is just based on, you know, uh, whether it was a point or a, a current break or a, or a shell bar, it was just a natural place for a fish to be. And it wasn't, they weren't set up on places that you could, you know, idle over them like, like you can in the summertime. It was just, it was basically specified to either a current break or a, or a point and uh they were just they just this is where they were at they were they were so stacked and it kind of went away as the tournament went on um one of my main spots actually dried completely up day three but you know the other two the other two places is what saved me day three okay how uh like how deep uh were these spots like is it were you catching your fish out of two feet of water four feet of water eight feet of water like what's because i or was it just right on the break because i to me like when you're i think you're fishing kind of more up the river than down the lake if i remember correctly and like that's right that's that part of the that part of the lake it's it's you know it's pretty volatile it's pretty sharp up there uh, when you're not in the backwaters. That's right. Yeah, it was. You know, it's it's a narrow part of the lake, so naturally the current rolls even faster when the you know where the where the lake is more narrow there. And it was uh, m- most of the bites were coming between eight and ten feet, a couple maybe twelve. Um, but I was throwing actually up on top of the the shallow spot, the shallowest places, and pulling it off the shallow, you know, pulling it off the drops and I was catching them when it come off the drops or whether if it bumped a stump or what have you, it was always on a break line of some sorts. That's really cool. Um, how did you figure out to throw the eight to one reel? Uh, because I thought that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. Well, I, I love to throw a swim bait. I mean, where I live, you know, in the springtime, you're throwing a swim bait or you're, not doing any good a lot of times so you know we have a lot of experience this part of the country throwing a swim bait and yeah you know when i throw a swim bait it's it's always a slow roll technique you know you throw it out there and 
you know, use a, I typically use a six to one ratio reel and just slow roll it. And I found out real quick that in order to make that swim bait work correctly, it wouldn't work, you know, using a slow reel. So I actually had to use, you know, a high speed reel to make it, you know, to make the swim bait work correctly in that current. So it was just something I think made a difference you know, for the current situation that I was in. Yeah, I could see that being the case, because you're right, like, there's a certain, I don't know, anytime you fish a swim bait, you kind of establish a certain cadence that just feels right, you know what I mean? And I guess Mm -hmm. if you're in that really strong current, you would have to be moving it faster to keep up with the current, so to speak. Um, Right, yeah, it, it it was, it was, it was, it was really... It was really a big deal to be able to, make, you know, make the swim bait swim correctly, obviously. But and also, you know, on the three places that I had, it was basically one cast. You you cast anywhere around there and wouldn't get bit. But when if you figured out the cast, then literally you would sit there. And there was times I would sit in one spot for an hour, sometimes more, and and make repetitive casts, and then you know boom you catch one um that was that was another big key to catching them was being patient enough to sit there yeah yeah for sure especially with that tournament where like you know you caught you caught a limit every day but i'm guessing you weren't calling a whole lot uh because it seemed like limits were actually pretty hard to come by right well the first day of the tournament i probably caught four limits of bass. I wow. probably caught at least 20 keeper bass. Um, Friday, I know I caught at least 15 keeper bass. And the toughest day as far as keepers was definitely Friday or Saturday, you know, the last day. it was. I don't know what, it, what happened. I think the water coming up really caused me, you know, a little bit of problem on my areas. But, you know, I caught a bunch of fish. I mean, Literally, my hands... I, I couldn't fish a tournament with Corey yesterday because my hands are just... They're scabbed up. Wow, I feel it, so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I did. I caught, I got lucky. You know, I caught a lot of fish. I, I had a lot of opportunities. I caught a lot. Um, even on day three, you know, I caught a few times. But I just... I'm, I'm glad I caught my biggest bag on the last day for sure. Because that was the key day. Yeah, and I mean, it was a close tournament. You know, you needed, if you'd caught another 18 pounds again, that wouldn't have got it done. Uh, but it 20, would not have. 20 did the, did the trick for sure. Um, did yes, you sir. do any, that last day, I mean, did was anything different about it that led to those bigger bites? Or was it just a matter of it worked out mm-hmm. on the last day? Because you say, I mean, you said you were even catching fewer fish. Do you think something changed for you to get those bigger bites or it just happened? Dude, it just happened. I mean, you know, as, as good as I was on those fish Thursday and Friday, you know, I did have a, you know, I had a five pounder Thursday. Um, I lost a fish that was probably at least that big on Thursday. The only fish I lost, um, I had probably three, four pounders on Friday but I never could get that 
typical Chickamauga big bite, you know, that everybody talks about. And, I, you know, as many fish as I knew I was around, I just couldn't believe I couldn't catch that eight-pounder or, or even a six-pounder. And, I, you know, Saturday, you know how it is. That's what they say. It's just meant to be because I caught one that was pushing seven and one that was pushing six within 15, 20 minutes of each other. And, you know, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It just happened. That's really cool. That's awesome. Um, I guess, can you, uh, I, I, I guess we probably can sort of wrap up on that tournament. Are you going to fish the rest of that Central Division, I assume? Because now, I mean, you're I qualified am. for the championship now, uh, as long as you fish the rest yeah, of them. Yeah, there's no question I'll fish the rest of them now because this is the fourth year that I fished, the, you know, the, that event, those events. Mm-hmm. And you know, it took me it took me eight tournaments to get a check in one of them, and uh, this is my tenth one. And of course, I had good luck in one. So, but the goal that I've had since I started was to make the championship. So, you know, that was that's goal number one. All right. Well, I will see you at Cumberland, <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I would say that uh, I mean, you're definitely it's a really good start to the year, and like knowing where you're at in the country. Um, I would say probably you'll be well equipped to come Cumberland because uh, you've, you know, I've looked and you fished like that, uh, you know, you fished the volunteer division and I think quite the mountain division a little bit, quite a few of those lakes, uh, at least line right. up to some degree with Cumberland. So shouldn't right. be too yeah. foreign for you. Yeah, Cumberland, you know, and you know how it is, you can bomb on any lake, but Cumberland is really close to the style that I grew up fishing, so. All right. Can you fill me in a little bit on just sort of you? Uh, I know, obviously, your son, Corey, fishes the pro circuit, but, like, mm-hmm. you used to work for FLW. Uh, tell me about that. What do you do now? All that all that jazz. Well, for the last 20 years, I've, I've owned a, a construction company, a, a roofing business, and I've always, that's basically what I've done, and, you know, Corey growing up fishing VFLs when he got old enough and we were working them on the weekends. It never did interfere with my full-time job, of course, but you know, I'm just a normal guy. We fish local here a lot and I've always wanted to fish the bigger tournaments and never, you know, basically had an opportunity. I give up a lot of my fishing actually working for FLW, as you know. Yeah, I mean, when you're work, when you're at a tournament, it's hard to also fish tournaments. I, I've seen that for sure. It is, and and finally, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided that I wasn't getting any younger, and I want to, I'm, I'm going to fish, and that's when I started trying to pursue this a little bit more. And of course, Corey getting into it, you know, he he did really well in the college, and oh yeah, you know, decided decided that he wanted to go to that level, so. You know, I kind of reserved myself to let him go ahead and, you know, pursue what he can as far as the, you know, the tackle warehouse. Yeah, theory. yeah. Did you ever, uh, so he started when it was the FLW Tour. Obviously, it's tackle warehouse pro circuit now. Did you ever think about just fishing it with him? Because, you know, there's, obviously, you've worked for FLW. You know, like, it's not impossible to get into the, you know, to get in if you want to get in. Um so like, did you, uh, did you think about that or not really? 
I mean, I have. I mean, when, you know, that was my dream, of course, when I was a kid to get the fish tournaments at, you know, even like the, the Toyota series, so, you know, to fish one of those and even to win one is still surreal. Um, but I don't know. There's, I can't imagine anybody that loves fishing as much as I do that wouldn't have a dream of going on to like the tackle warehouse circuit. But for me, I mean, as much as I'd like to, as long as Corey's doing it, you know, I'm going to stand back and let him roll with it. Okay. I think that's, that's cool. And I'm sure that, well, I'm sure he appreciates that, but have you, uh, like, I think, yes, let's see. He did really well at Cherokee last year, which is like kind of your home he pond. Did. Um, but like the rest of the season was kind of tough for him, if I remember correctly. Although I could be, it was. I could be wrong, but obviously he's off I'm, to a pretty good start now. What's your, what's your vibe on Corey so far? <laughs> well, I think, you know, he got that freshman year over with and, I mean, he did do pretty daggone good for a rookie last year. I mean, he he, he got a check in, you know, four or five tournaments, and I guess four tournaments, and he won a pretty good amount of money to really, you know, yeah, I think 70, he realized what he was capable of. Yeah, 79th in points, actually. I really – I undersold him last year. I apologize for that. <laughs> but. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think he won like 38000 or something last year doing that, and, you know, that's pretty good for a rookie. Um, and he's, you know, halfway there this year. So, you know, he's, uh, he had a bad tournament at Harris. So he's, you know, I think he's, he knows what he has to do. I like it. And like Florida is a tough place for a lot of people. I mean, it can, it can really throw you for, for a loop in no time, I would say. Oh Um, yeah. It's a, you know, I've, I've got personal experience fishing the, the, then coast is on Okeechobee. I mean, I went there three times and it was never the same. Every time I went there it was completely different. So, you know, you, you basically have to learn everything all over again. If you're from East Tennessee, it's, you know, not even in the same ballpark to go to Florida and fish or anywhere down South for that matter. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, let's see. One other Another thing, and this is more on Corey's side of things, but, like, what is the deal with him not wearing hats? Like, you wear hats. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. I, I won't go out. I won't go to a, a dinner without a hat. You know, I've always wore one. And growing up, the kid never went without a hat, ever. And now, it's just like, I don't know, hat's the devil to him. I don't get it. <laughs> we give him a hard time about it, but. When, uh, you just don't like to wear a hat. I mean, I guess do what you got to do, but like, did, well, like, was, it, was he up on roofs, putting roofs on, like in high school and stuff like that at all? Because I feel like that's work. Oh, yeah. You really want a hat. Yeah, he did. I mean, he'd get up there and work right with him a lot. And, uh, you know, he helps me run this business to this day and does a good job at it. But when back in, when he was learning, he was up there roofing right with the guys and, he, uh, you know, sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't, but in his everyday life or on the lake, he's, he just don't do it. He, who well, knows? <laughs> I saw, I saw him wearing a beanie at takeoff one time. Um, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's I can't see your hair. <laughs> uh, and I, I figure, you know, I've seen that. I guess I just will have to live with never seeing him like actually have like a ball cap on, but you know, we'll, we'll let it ride. <laughs> 
see what happens. Well, maybe one of these days he'll 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 wake up and put one on. Well, we'll see. Maybe if you win a couple more tournaments, you can be like, hey, it might be the hat. And maybe just, yeah, like, that could right. be good luck. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully I'll, I'll get to do that. So, um, now we'll see what happens. What are the, I thought that there might be a chance that Corey would be fishing in this tournament too. I guess it's really right on the heels of Harris, but like, do you guys get to fish many tournaments at the, either against each other, but at the same time or together as team? you know, as a team now, or because he's traveling and now you're traveling too, is that just really a hard thing to put together? It is a hard thing to put together because again, the way, the way our business is, you know, when I'm gone, he's working, when he's gone, I'm working. And, you know, it just, it makes it kind of tough. We do get to fish, you know, we'll fish BFLs. We're going to fish a BFL against each other this weekend on Douglas Lake. Um, we fished a, one or two last year against each other but when you know we kind of got a deal going that you know if i'm gone he's here and, and vice versa that that allows let's things keep humming on the home front that's right okay cool it makes you know which which works out good you know it's it really works out really good for the both of us all right um my other question i know Corey did really well on uh cherokee and the tour is while well, the pro circuit is going back to Cherokee this year. Can you like give me a Cherokee preview or is that like privileged Corey only information? <laughs> no, I mean, and he knows it's the, it's really close to the time that it was there last year. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody knows that it's going to be probably really close to the same patterns that was going on last year. It's going to be strictly weather related. I think, you know, if it gets warm, if it gets warm in a hurry, then, then yeah, it's going to be really similar to last year. And if it stays cold like it is now, and, I mean, the lakes come up several feet and it's muddy. And I think it took 21 pounds to win there Saturday. Um, wow. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's pretty strong. I think 18 pounds was second, you know, in a 250 plus boat tournament out there Saturday. So, which I was actually, entered to fish that team tournament on saturday and i told my partner that i had a good reason not to be there to find an alternate but that worked out pretty good but like i said it, it the weights are really stacked there all the time i mean it was it's just it's going to be one of those it's going to be the same way this year as it was last year in my opinion okay last year it was like the so it was so smallmouth heavy is that and obviously, I guess there's a length limit that factors in there, but is that, do you think that's going to be the case again? I do. I think it'll be a predominantly smallmouth. There's a lot of largemouth in Cherokee, but I think it's going to be a smallmouth tournament again, just like it was last year. Okay, cool. I'm not mad at a smallmouth tournament. I, that's never going to happen know. here. They're the, they're the best fish as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's full of them. I mean, it really is full of smallmouth. All right, I like it. Um, is there anything uh, like is there anything else you want to hit on or talk about, or do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, any while I've got you on here, because you know, you obviously you just won the tournament. The time is yours if you want it. <laughs> no, man. I mean, you know, I've got a <laughs> just a lot of support from, especially during that tournament. You know it.
kind of amazes you how many friends you got and how many people were actually pulling for me because my phone is still going off. And, uh, you know, it's just a pretty good feeling to have that many people behind you, especially from, you know, FLW because, you know, they're like family to me. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I don't have any sponsors or anything like that. Just, just go out and fish like everybody else and, you know, just had a, had a good tournament for a change. Well, but, I like uh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it go a, ahead. It was just a good good deal. Awesome. Well, uh, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time. Like, I really appreciate it. Thanks for breaking it down for us. Um, appreciate that too. And I mean, I uh, I definitely, as much as I know and like Corey, I figure at some point I'll get a chance to meet you, and I'm looking forward to that. But man, thanks for coming on. Sure thing. I'm sure I'll be at Cherokee rooting him on. So I'll be there. All right. So, Kyle, we are back. And I think we got to just go ahead and dive right into the Harris chain because we have uh, not only a whole pro circuit event to discuss, but also a dramatic and controversial college event to discuss. Um, yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of Harris chain to, to roll with. I kind of want to start with the pro circuit event because I feel like it won't take quite mm-hmm. as long. And then we can use some of that knowledge to carry over as we talk about the college stuff. Does that seem right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. All right. Well, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit on the Harris Chain. What happened? Uh, well, we only fished three days instead of four. Which listeners uh, know because they had we had a great interlude podcast for folks. We, we I did. Will, uh, I, I do want to bring that We're glad everyone listened front. to that. <laughs> uh but yeah, Larry Strickland won it. Um, he really on day two, uh, he caught thirty-one pounds and some change, thirty-one-six, uh, and uh, that really helped catapult him to the to the win, I guess. Yeah. To, and, and really, it was his game plan. Like he had the perfect game plan for this event because we talked about it a little in the off day thing, but you know there were fish trying to spawn. And then, like, that cold front, everyone knew it was going to happen. Laramie was prepared for it. He was in one of the few areas of the chain that there are actually, like, really good mats you can flip. And those big females sucked right under him, right where he needed them, and caught, like, a 9 and an 8 and a 6. Like, I don't know, just a bunch of great big ones. Um, the following day, uh, I think he ended championship day, let's see, 15-something. So, not a great day. It was a super grind because you watched him. Um or you were following along with him. It wasn't uh, basically that big day he had was what he was banking on, uh, and that's what it takes in Florida sometimes is one one big bag. Yeah, we've seen plenty of times where the one guy catches a really big bag and you can ride it the rest of the way and not have like you don't necessarily have to be consistent in Florida to win a tournament. It helps, but yeah. it's yeah. not always the main deal. Um, you see that at play, you see that at like anywhere where you can catch a thirty pound bag. You don't always need to be consistent. You like right. You probably need to be con- consistent up north almost all the time. Uh, you know, in Arkansas and places like that. Like, but like in heck in the Carolinas. But like when you're on say Chickamauga, somewhere in Florida, you can catch that huge bag. Yeah. And uh, it, it worked out really, uh, really well for him. Obviously, uh, 
He's in his rookie year, uh, two tournaments in. First tournament at Rayburn, he finished in the triple digits, turned around, went home to the Harris chain, got the W. So he kind of – it's a pretty solid way to right the ship for the year um, in terms of points for him. Uh, I guess he – like we mentioned, he was punching – uh, he was punching a spicy beaver, but it's actually a smaller size. Well, I think he punched the regular size and a small size. Am I right on that, or am I? Well, off? yes, he did. He did punch the regular size, but I think the little one got him some key bites, especially like final day, uh, and maybe even the first day. Basically, if you're looking at it and you look in the photos, you're like, "Man, that looks like a small spicy beaver." It is. It hasn't come out yet. It will at some point. Uh, so brace yourself. And then he did wind around in true Florida fashion. Uh, the reaction innovations machete worm, uh, which is like a speed worm. Um, it's actually a pretty sweet little worm. Like I've never really played around with it, but uh, you know, obviously I got to toss around in, in day five, and um, I like it. It's a cool. I mean, reaction innovations makes cool stuff. They do. Um, they make some weird I stuff just, too. I guess but they make cool stuff too. Have, have you ever thrown a speed worm? Uh, or like a worm like that, a swimming worm outside of Florida. Like, have you ever thrown one on Champlain? Uh, I have a little bit. Um, I don't think we should talk about this now. Uh. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, well. It was really a yes or no question. Uh, do you throw it? Not. We're not going into depth. I'm just wondering if you've ever thrown one. I, I, it's on my list of things to throw more. Let's put it that way. Hey, that's where I'm at. Okay. I have heard um, that if you want to catch pickerel on Cayuga, it's a phenomenal bait. Like, interesting. literally, <laughs> you can catch hundreds in a day, and you will go through thousands of speed worms. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I haven't well, really thrown uh, them much outside of Florida. But, man, they do work in Florida. Gosh, they do. But here's the deal. So, Laramie was up in Griffin. Uh, there's an area called the Marsh. There's three of them. There's... Like March one, March two, March three. He was in the second one, I believe. Um, he was actually in the second and third one. Yeah, or yeah, third one and a little bit of the second one. Yeah, but third one mostly. Um, sorry, March right. three is one, like where one is above. It, it. went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was yeah, his that was the big bag, big bag day. Um, the interesting thing, oh, he won with sixty one pounds four ounces total. So you know, half of that was on day two. Um, if you look down across the rest of the top 10, the vast majority of those guys were, for the most part, targeting offshore grass. Yeah, um, or hard bottom, like stepping. Hard, yeah, well, staging fish or fish that are done spawning. Yeah. Like, they were in those coming and going type of spots, which um, definitely provided more consistent bags. Like, Stefan, for sure, uh, was pretty consistent throughout the week. Um, you know... If Hunter Freeman could have caught a couple more fish on the final day, like he would have won it. Uh, he was getting big bites, not a lot of them. So it was kind of cool to see the dynamic of it when it was all said and done. Yeah. Basically, if you look, when it was all said and done, like there was a lot that, uh, there, there was a lot on the table for that event. Like we've sort of mm-hmm. seen for a lot of the Harris Chain events, like it seems as though the Harris Chain is just by nature whether it's because of the watercolor, because of just the number of lakes on the chain, just the general way it is, it's way more diverse and way more interesting than the rest of Florida. 100%. Um, and, like, you can be on a lot more different bites. Like, 
And this shows up in the college event, too, where the college event was, to a degree, dominated offshore. I mean, it was, but yep. it was not it was not cut and dried, and even that event was actually pretty different from the Pro Circuit event. Like, the Pro Circuit event, a bazillion dudes fished in Griffin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, a lot of them did well and got paid. I mean, if you scroll down, Wall, uh, Wolcott, Bolton, um, Canada, Canada, Hayes, Becker, Buck, Ebert, um, like, that's a pretty good chunk of guys just in the top 30 who made money fishing in Griffin. Yep. At the same time, I think more than we've ever seen, probably, the other lakes outside of Griffin and Harris on this chain were used. Because in years past, we've had times where Griffin was, like, pretty dominant, and we've had times mm-hmm. where Harris was extremely dominant, you know, For the sure. year that Johnston and Gussie were crushing life over there. But we haven't, I don't think we've ever seen it spread out this much, and we definitely haven't ever seen it tilting so much to uh, Dora and Beauclair, but not Apopka, um, like we did this time for the college event. Uh, whereas for the pro circuit event, we actually had, you know, the McMillans went down to Apopka and caught them. Like, they made the cut down mm-hmm. there, which is, like, real good. Um, I don't know. It was of this, it was a much more, it was a much more interesting week, two weeks on the Harris chain than it had any right to be, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really thought by, like, the start of the national championship, I'd be like, ugh, this is kind of... It's kind of lame, same old song and dance, but it wasn't. It was like every day was kind of a new cool thing, and we saw different stuff happen. Um, which also, I mean, that's the time timeline in Florida too, right? Like things happen so quick, whether it's fish that are pre-spawn going to spawn or, you know, that are reloading out in some of that offshore, like the eelgrass or those hard spots. Um, and that helps keep things interesting. Plus another cold front, you know, I think also helped too because we had no shortage of those when we were down there. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, from a weather standpoint, it wasn't really ideal. No. Uh, that said, the Harris chain seems to be able to sustain good fishing in cold weather better than anywhere else in Florida that I've seen. <laughs> and, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, especially, t- yeah, tournament-wise, like, if you're getting a cold front, you probably want to be on the Harris chain because you're still going to catch them probably. Yeah, for sure. It looked, the one thing... That I was a little bit disappointed about for the, from the standpoint of this not being a four-day tournament, instead being a three-day tournament, and now we're on the pro circuit event. I'm not leaping ahead to college yet. Right, right. I'm pretty sure Washam had the winning pattern. Like, yeah. He was catching yeah, a lot did. of fish. He was in the right lake because he was doing a lot of his damage in uh, Dora and Beauclair, which obviously we saw that play really well in the college event. So those lakes were actually almost getting better, or something mm-hmm. was going on there. So to me, like, if he'd had another day, there's a really good chance, and he did only have 15 pounds on the final day, but boy, there's a good chance he could have overtaken um, Strickland. There's also a good chance that Stefan could have moved up and either overtaken him or finished, like, second or something like that. Like, yeah. all those offshore guys, it seems like if they had one more day of... Uh, doing 
work offshore, like they might have been able to catch up to Strickland because he did not, it didn't look like he had consistency on his side. Yeah, he definitely did not. Um, and he said like a couple times that he really wasn't catching him anywhere else in the chain. Like he didn't necessarily have a great backup to go to. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not entirely because sometimes he didn't really have to have a backup ever. Like the yeah. one time he went to the other marsh for his backup, it worked. If he had gone out and been like, hey, I need to come up with a backup. Well, he's from Florida. He's good. He knows that chain. Maybe a backup would have gone out and hit him in the face. You know what I mean? But it definitely, another day would have been very interesting. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like Laramie talked about too, like what the plan he had. uh, I don't think, well, it sounded like there were some guys that kind of banked on the cancellation day, but the plan he had worked for exactly how the tournament played out. Like the stars aligned for him because he definitely would have been overtaken. Uh, Not definitely, but there was a really, really good chance. Like you're saying by those other guys fishing offshore, um, grass because they're just they had the volume of bites too you know yeah like they weren't ever lacking for a two pounder you know what i mean like yeah, a yeah. lot of those guys in griffin who are running out and fishing offshore and just setting down on a spot they had a 10 pound limit in like less than an hour of fishing like every morning yeah yep maybe even like less than a half hour of fishing and that's a difficult thing to just find mm-hmm. <laughs> Granted, I guess on the top 10 day, he could have gone out and just pulled up next to one of those guys out there and started throwing a trap, and it probably would have worked. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but that's not necessarily how you want to go about winning a tournament. Um, no, no. Any uh, any takeaways like from either an AOI perspective or uh, just a, a finish perspective that kind of impressed you or, or, or have you kind of extra interested about this this event? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, Ron Nelson leading AOI. Is that what you want to talk about? Was just the fact that Ron Nelson's leading AOI? Actually, no. Um, oh, okay. Because I've done that already. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to mention Miles Berghoff, who's off to another really good start. Um, and I think if you were going to say, hey, Ron Nelson not going to win AOI, I think Miles Berghoff is a really good pick. Um, I also would like to shout out Josh Weaver and Gray Buck. Uh, Gray for having two really good tournaments in a row heading into the Classic. Good luck, Gray. We love you. Um, <laughs> and uh, also Josh Weaver for, like, he's actually done well like multiple events in a row like this is a good thing for him and he's a guy who struggled a little bit with consistency but we believe in his talent quite a bit and yep. i mean maybe it's coming together right now um but yeah other than that not too much because like aoy right now i would characterize it as being like super confused and we'll probably know a lot more after these next two events than we do right now yeah is my guess yeah you and I were talking the other day that AOI after the first two events, because usually it's like somewhere down south. Well, it's usually Texas and Florida. Right? Yeah. Are your first two events. Or like two know, Florida events. Some, some right. Days. And we know how volatile Florida can be. And you see guys that are really good, you know, that stub their toe in Florida. 
So they may be sitting in like 50th, 60th, 70th in the points now. But once we start getting into these, you know, pre-spawn, spawn type events as we creep through the spring and the lakes, you know, you kind of take away that 8, 9, 10, 11 pound bite that can move you up really fast. Yeah. Things really normalize. So yeah, I think we'll have that swing of Martin and Cherokee. Uh, they're not back to back, but they're like a couple week weeks apart, apart basically. Yeah. yeah, after Cherokee, I think like you like you just said, we'll we'll definitely th- see things uh, line out, balance out, and then we'll have a really good gauge on on where we think AOI is going to go from there. Yeah, I think so, and I think that you know when you look at um, when you look at the lakes we fish so far, basically neither of them have any rock in them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> there's a lot of. You know, neither of them have multiple species of bass. Technically, there's spots in Rayburn, but like, you know, we're not, despite one being in Texas, one being in Florida, and we just went on about how the Harris chain is like really diverse, there's actually a lot of ways to catch bass that haven't shown up yet, and that guys will need to be proficient with in the rest of the season. Like, guys are going to need to pick up spinning rods quite a bit now. And that's a thing that you haven't had to do thus far. Um, I would say. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk college? Uh, yes, we should. We should keep going on with the Harris Chain theory. Yeah, so we do have a lot of... We made an agenda, and I put the Harris Chain on it. How many times did I put it on it? So like four yeah, or five four or to- eight? Four times, <laughs> which I think is probably enough, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that helps give us the uh, the gist of it. All right, so college. Um, this one is the where yes. it gets controversial, <laughs> which is disappointing because, gosh, it was a really fun tournament. Um, it, it really was. Um, I guess. I, well, I'll let you you take the lead on the on the college. All right. Well, I don't love doing that, but you know what? We'll. Uh, we'll... Are you want me to take the lead? And then you get the next one. I got you. Hey, I have it right here. Kyle, I wrote the. Stories. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the tournament is. How about that? <laughs> Ooh, give it to All me. All right. This was the Abu Garcia College Fishing presented by Yeti National Championship presented by Lawrence. Boom. And it was on Crushed the Harris it. chain. In case you were it was. wondering. <laughs> um, so, in this one, Stephen F. Austin won it. Yes. Uh, that's Hank Harrison, Ethan Laguerre. Uh, they had fifty-six-five over three days so uh they caught him pretty good and and we kind of hinted at that a little bit ago talking about the pro circuit but um this was mostly or i mean literally they pretty had, much entirely an offshore thing except for like one team in the top 10 yeah well like one maybe two kinda, teams or like two teams that are like 0.5 shallow or something yeah. whatever um it was mostly a casting and winding tournament let's put it that way definitely. chatterbait jerkbait trap stuff like uh-huh. that Basically, they caught as much as Jimmy Washam did uh, to win. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, they were, like, right on pace, grand team event, all that jazz. But the fishing was pretty good for the college derby. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, I guess, should we get into the controversy before we explain how people caught fish? Do we need to lead with that? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, yeah, that's the that's main probably. thing. Uh, and we need to definitely, we need to say what it is, but we also need to dispel a couple of I would say myths that seem like they've kind of cropped up around this that I've seen on the internet a bunch. Yeah. Because there's some stuff that people are like happy to say that's just not true. Um, And you can't go and answer every comment with 
hey, this you're wrong, and you can't start an <laughs> right. argument every time. But I think it's probably worth having on the record. Um, but anyway, uh, Nathan uh, Doty and Jacob Lewis of McKendry were going to win this tournament. Like, they yep. led after day two. They caught them again on day three. I don't remember exactly what they weighed in on day three, but... I think it was 16-something. Yeah. They had, like, a five-pound lead going into the final day. It was enough to win. Like, they... Yeah, yep. They won, they won the tournament in a very convincing fashion, except that they didn't win. And mm-hmm. do you want to give us the lowdown on this? Yeah, so... Basically what happened is uh, they were fishing and they broke a fish off. And like an hour later, they snagged the line. They snagged some fishing line. The line, they hand lined the fish in that was still on there. And they're like, oh my God, it's our fish. Cool, we got it back. Put it in the box. Now they just kept fishing, did their thing, came in, weigh in. That's when... Um, basically, we found out about yeah, it. Like now, now, at this point, we I found out about this probably before the end of the day. Uh, Kevin didn't find out about this until, like, literally yeah. these guys were walking on stage. Yeah, tournament director Kevin Hunt didn't know anything about it until right then and there. And so, uh, like, they weighed in, we gave them the trophies, and then... It was, and then Kevin, and as they were weighing in, they told this story, and Kevin yeah. was like, "Well, wait." And well, it wasn't just Kevin; it was Kevin and several other people who know what the rules are. Are like, "Wait a minute, yeah, you can't yeah, do yeah. that." So, and, and I'm sure people uh, that you know read it were thinking like, "Well, I don't know. That sounds pretty legit." Now, it it would if they broke off and they troll motor right over to that line and grabbed it and hand lined the fish in. That would count. That would be good. Like immediately following. The the main issue was the fact that there was an hour between breaking that fish off and regaining that fish. A, you can't really prove that it's 100% their fishing line. Uh, sure, it's that spot. They just broke one off. Um, you know. I mean, you could even look legit. at like hooks and baits and stuff. And like they were not throwing uncommon baits for Florida. Like, right. There's, there's, I, I guess you could make the art, like, if you really, really wanted to 100% prove it was their fish, which I think you and I are inclined to believe it probably was their fish, but also inclined to believe there's no way to prove it. Yep. Um, yep. Even if you wanted to prove it down to the bait and the line and all that jazz, you'd have a really hard time because fish can move and, like, mm-hmm. you know, they were fishing common stuff. They were not throwing uh, Roman maids. Or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Something very distinguishable. And the other issue is it's hard to say that that fish they broke off wasn't a two pounder. And then uh like I don't I don't know how big the fish is, but for the sake of argument, let's say that it's you can't definitively prove that the fish they had on was a two pounder. Maybe it shook the hook, the bait was still on there, and like a three pounder or four pounder ate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um there's a lot of people that commented online like, well, they should have just been penalized in one fish. What should have happened is if they would have called Kevin when this happened, uh, he would have told them to release that fish and keep fishing. So they could have kept everything they had in their live well, just let that one particular one go, and they still probably would have won it. The problem is then we don't know which fish it was either, right? 
again, this is, you know, an hour went by, they boxed it. At the end of the day, you can't look at that one and say that was uh, for sure it. So not knowing which particular fish it was, that's where it comes into question for the DQ uh, of the day's weight. It actually, we, we put it in the story. Uh, it's rule 12. Um, it says, uh, basically, all fish must be caught in a conventional sporting manner. Um, and that, I think it's, oh, I had it pulled up. Gosh, I talked about it like 80 times that day. Uh, but it's like a, a, a lure... It must be caught by a lure attached to a line, attached to a rod and a reel or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's one. That's, that's, another that's thing the like. part of the rule that I don't think people oh, online that are... It, really, it's people that aren't just reading anything. Yeah. But that's what people are missing out on, is mm-hmm. that there's actually a rule that states how fish should be caught. And uh, though it's pretty crazy and wild, and yeah, it probably was the fish they broke off, you just can't prove it, and that's a lot of time to pass before you land that fish. Like I said, if it would have went down, um, you know, immediately, if they would have got that line floating on top of the water, we've seen some wild stuff like that happen. Well, you know, remember before. when Brandon McMillan f- fell out of his the boat one in the to grab a fish yeah. that he lost? Like, yep. And that fish catch was allowed, one, because it was extremely baller. Two, <laughs> no, not actually because of that. But it was allowed because you knew that was the fish. Yes, um, that was his fish. The only reason it was on top of that mat was because he put it there. Yeah. When he set the hook and brought it, like it bit his bait. Like he brought it up. If you think about so, it, one one way in my head that makes it a more realistic, or it makes it easier to think about the fish as being a fish that's caught unconventionally, is to imagine you're fishing on the St. Lawrence and the water's super clear, and you see a fish swim by with 20 feet of braid and a jerk bait hanging out of their mouth. If you mm-hmm. snag that braid and land that fish, you I don't think you would think that that's a legal fish. Like, I don't think that that right. would be like, oh, man, I caught it. You'd be like, I caught this line that had, yeah. like, yep. I don't think that would, I, I think that the luck factor and the fact that they caught this in a really incredible way is really cool, but I don't think that, I, I don't think you can really make the argument that it's totally conventional. I mean, I've heard a lot of, I've heard plenty of people say, gosh, it should be legal. But I think that when it comes down to it, most bass anglers, when they think about this, would say, man, I would love to keep that fish. But also the first thing I would do is call the tournament director. Right. Um, right. Which is where, kind of where one other factor comes in. Uh, I have heard guys, I've heard people say, I've seen comments, and I've heard that basically the camera operator who was in the boat with them said, thought it was a legal fish, and basically told them yep. such. And there's like, well, there's a couple problems with that. One, the camera operator, is, he's, he works freelance, like he's not an employee of FLW, it's not his job to know the rules. Yes. Uh, see, he's got that. Two, you shouldn't, like... If anyone ever asks us a rule question, I might tell them what I think it might be. But, like, if that's not followed by, hey, you should call Kevin or you should call Daniel or you should call Bill or call Ron or whoever, like, there's no scenario in which I would just say, hey, this is the rule. Like, you always got to call a tournament director. And they got caught up and they didn't didn't call the tournament director. And they're never not going to call the tournament director again. And it's a 
super hard lesson to learn, but like mm-hmm. you got to call the tournament director. You can't just trust not the tournament director to know all the rules. Right, right. And so on the one hand, the camera operator, it would have been much better if he'd said, well, I'm not sure. You should probably call Kevin. At the same time, it is on the guys in the tournament to know the rules. Yep. If you're not sure of it, check on it. Um, yep. Yeah, a call to your tournament director during the event is never a terrible thing. Yeah. If there's like any bit of doubt in your mind. And that's the thing. Like, there's no TD who's going to be like, man, I can't believe you called me for this. Like, Right, right. They would way rather enforce the rules prior to... like. There's a scenario here where these guys don't get their weight DQ'd. Like, that is exactly what Kevin wanted to have happen. There's nobody at FLW who was like, hey, let's stick it to these guys. That's not a scenario. Like, everybody just wants the rules to be enforced. They don't want it to be a scandal that also has these college kids go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Right. But, anyhow. There's just... There's so many... I'm just flipping through some of the comments like on flwfishing.com. And uh, there's just... like People are like, well, if you snag a fish with a crankbait, how come that's legal? Well, it's a like, totally different all, thing. Yeah, like people <laughs> people are just... I mean, people are just idiots. I'm going to say it. All right. Well, I won't say it. I think our fans and people who read are great and smart, and I love all of them. <clears throat> Oh, I love all our fans. Uh, some of these people on here are, like, they just didn't read it. Or they're, I don't know, they're fired up about something. Yeah, well, it's a, uh, it, I mean, look, I can say getting fired up about it. Um, I don't know. I hate the internet. That's where I'm going to leave it at. Well. Thank you, and good night. Yeah, con- congratulations, Kyle. <laughs> you've uh, you've achieved what we all uh, we all want. <laughs> I know, uh, but yeah, uh, we could probably get off of that and go uh, talk about, I guess, the Derby. Yeah, well, let's right? talk about how uh, SFA Stephen F. Austin because yeah. there were. I mean, honestly, we could talk about several of the patterns because the top ten pattern story went up on Monday, and like, there were some really. I thought just impressive strategies and like actual impressive fishing that went on in this tournament. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, uh, give me the SFA lowdown. Yeah. So SFA, uh, they basically spent, they did catch some fish in Eustace, um, particularly on the final day. That was a pretty clutch upgrade, but for the most part, they were one of several boats in the top 10 that were committed to the Dora Beauclair area um they basically like their juice spot was uh in beauclair like at the mouth of like a little spawning pocket canal thing and there was basically a little point that came out and it had some hard spots and clumps of grass on it and really there was just staging fish like it seemed like a lot of these kids were really dialed or really focused on trying to find areas that fish that wanted to spawn but weren't gonna yet or fish that were you know same kind of like at the pro circuit areas that fish that were done spawning could pull back out to um because if you look at most of the fish photos uh especially from on stage like a lot of these fish are like real clean looking real fat real healthy looking like juicy pre-spawn fish um 
And that's really all SFA dialed into um, was that they, they caught him on day one of the tournament was a, was a warm day. It was actually really pleasant. That was the day before the cold front. Um, they caught him on six cents square bill and a six cents jerk bait. The uh, square bill was the finesse curve or something like that. I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah, right no, now. that's yeah, right. That's what it was. Curve finesse. Uh, um, yeah, and then the provoke I should update jerk bait. the lead story actually. Yeah, I totally forgot to do that. Um, after the cold front, they really had to slow down. They went uh, super old school through a, uh, a split shot rig, which is super cool, and a really light Texas rig, and um, they I either went like zoom Carolina and fluke. Rig too. Or am I wrong on that? Yeah, yeah. I guess a little bit of everything. Split yeah. shot Carolina rig and Texas rig. Um, but it was either a, uh, it was basically a Senko, but it wasn't a Senko brand. They couldn't remember what it was. It's something that Hank had for years, and it's some color they don't really make, uh, or that's hard to find. But it's basically a fluke and a stick bait. So you can really see the transition that these guys, like the, the area is still produced. Those fish will still there. They just, instead of burning hard baits over the top of them or trying to get a reaction bite, they really had to, like, probe an area to get a bite. Um I watched them on the final day fish that point, and uh, Ethan caught a like a three and a half, three and three quarter uh, on the light Texas rig, I think. But he made the same cast probably 20, 30 times before he got bit. Wow. So either that fish was just sitting there like, oh, fine, I'll eat it. Or that was just kind of showing that more fish were showing up or, you know, pulling into that area to stage or, you know, finally moved on to that hard spot or whatever. But it was a pretty uh pretty solid program like they really had a, a solid one-two punch uh their weights were good um you know from day to day a lot of these guys like day one they had 2115 uh, hank and ethan day two they only had 1314 but it they kind of forced the hard bait bite like that square bill and the jerk bait for a majority of the day when that cold front rolled through yeah and later I, I watched the day, them they like really in. leaning on that uh that jerk bait on uh, yeah. day two, and like they, they caught a good one on it, but also th- yes. it probably like they maybe could have done better if they hadn't. Yeah, they they were kicking themselves for picking up those more finesse presentations later in the day because that's when it really started happening for them. And they think if they would have done that earlier, they probably could have had another good bag. But on day three, they weighed another twenty pound bag. So, I mean, it, other than that little stumble on day two. Uh, they were pretty pretty dialed and consistent throughout, and I mean, honestly, like that's how most of um, not a majority of the top ten, but a lot of the top five anyway were just pretty consistently catching good fish. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm kind of lost. I'm on tackle warehouse right now. I might be about to order some of these crankbaits. Sure, get some. Yeah, I'm just having a hard time <laughs> deciding on colors. They they got too many colors and not the ones I want. <laughs> <laughs> that's tragic right now now i gotta open a tab up we're sorry my request could not be processed i can't add them to car- what add them to my cart this is this is terrible we you broke tackle warehouse oh you know what i should uh go here from flwfishing.com yeah that's the way to do it i'm doing it artificially i'm just typing in the little extra hyperlink <laughs> stuff um okay i think tackle warehouse is down <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's not loading for me either. Okay, but, great. I um, broke it. This is a tragedy. 
if we look, I think we should talk about second place, Sam Houston State. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chase Garrison, Mason Hope. Uh, because they also were Dora, Beauclair, um, that region. But they were just straight up throwing vibrating jigs, um, which is pretty baller. The really interesting thing, they said there was a perch spawn going on. Um, hey, Kyle, what's the perch? Texas. <laughs> they're from Texas, so it. I would in my in my head. I was thinking like, bluegill, oh, it's a right? white bass. Oh, you thought white bass? But yeah, I've heard like Texas, Oklahoma people talk about catching perch, but it's like uh, it's like a white bass or a hybrid. Um, the interesting thing is the Harris chain actually does have yellow perch, like what you and I would catch up north, or what you and I would think of perch is. Okay. Uh but they threw a jackhammer, obviously. Of course. Uh, and they threw uh, the Terminator shuddering bait, which is their... Uh, it's actually... I mean, it's a wild-looking vibrating jig. It's got, like, a big flower petal kind of cup mm-hmm. for the actual blade, and it's, like, plastic. Um, and it's, it's a giant bait, like, compared to a jackhammer. I mean, it's a big profile bait. Um, and... Mason threw that, the, the Terminator, uh, with the Zacco on the back. And then Jace would throw the jackhammer. And in the morning, he would throw the Sixth Sense Divine Swim Bait. I think it's the 4.4 inch. Uh, just to help get a limit. And then after a limit, he'd put a Lake Fork uh, Magic Shad on to beef that profile up. And they'd cull up throughout the course of the day. Uh, so it was, it was kind of cool that these... Like, they, they pretty much rigged a chatterbait, which I feel like catches big fish anyway. But they really leaned on, like, trying to get bigger bites. And uh, it worked out pretty pretty well for them. Obviously, they finished second. Uh, but they had 20 pounds first day, 16, over 16 and a half second day. And day three, they had 19. So, keeping a chatterbait in their hand, like, they were doing work. Yeah, big uh, time. Like, solely committed to that, which was kind of cool. Um. What else? What else was cool? What else do you want to talk about? Uh, I, we might have one of our first Jigging Spoon top 10 baits in Florida ever. Uh, from oh, yeah. Third place. Yeah, from Bethel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's yeah. at least notable from a are you kidding me standpoint. <laughs> Dude, here's the thing. Uh, so I guess most people listening probably are aware. Uh, Bethel, uh, A, they crush it. B, they're, they're some Tennessee River Bros. No, you know, they like that. Sure. Uh, and I did see him throwing a hair jig the first time. Oh, God. Uh, so which Tennessee was also, River. Yeah, it, it was super cool. But, um, yeah, John Garrett, Kyle Palmer, those guys, they did a little bit of everything. They had a really sweet – it was a hard spot in Griffin that they, like you were talking about for the pro circuit, no problem catching a limit. I mean, it was like hand over fist pretty much every cast and that's the cool thing about watching uh like college tournament is in those instances where you get on a school of fish it's so cool especially garrett and palmer watching them work you know like one guy's hooked up if it's not big he boat flips it he's back there calling other guys um you can really you know, team it lined up yeah like i mean you can keep that school fired and just keep catching and catching um but yeah spoon uh they threw a chatterbait or they threw a thunder cricket um, uh, the Strike King Mag Cutter Worm, 
And then they went bed fishing every day, which is really interesting because there weren't a lot of schools, if any, that that did well over or in the top ten that included a, a fish that caught sight fishing. But they made a point every day to run canals just looking for a new one on bed because we talked about it before. It's Florida. There's random big ones that sit on a bed when they probably shouldn't be on a bed. And they definitely caught their biggest fish every day doing that. Yeah, that that was cool too. Also, I we are kind of just going down the top 10, which is a little bit lame. But Slippery Rock, uh, I thought where they were fishing was interesting. They were actually in the canal or river, creek, whatever you want to call it, between, is it Lake Denham? And, yep. Uh, yep. and the uh, and Harris, which we have not seen really anybody catch them in there uh, yet. Um, well, until now. Uh, I know, you know, like... We saw some guys fish up there in the tour event two years ago, um, but yep. neither none of them really were a threat to win. Uh, Mc, Jared McKillen like was a little bit, uh, but like by and large it hasn't really played, and it was just another example of how hey all of a sudden the Harris chain, it's all a factor, you know get ready yeah. buckle up, uh, which is cool. Well and. It was uh, like those guys could have probably had a really big bag in the final day if you read the pattern story. Um, basically, all their fish, they were catching staging fish. All their fish moved not that far, but were on beds. Like their camera guy they had in the boat, was, like at the end of the day, uh, when they checked back in, was like, did you guys see all those big ones swimming around? And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> because they caught three good ones. Um, and then they were just like, man, they must have left. But they were literally a few boat lengths away swimming around up on a bed or swimming up to go on beds. So what you're saying is this is a scenario where John Cox is better than college kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I had not, I read that and didn't really like, it didn't click for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that is incredible <laughs> and kind of brutal. Too. Yeah. Yeah, the when they told me that, I was like, wait, 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 what? And then I kind of was like, well, why didn't you go look? They're like, I don't know, the spot was so good. We just figured there had to be, we could get, you know, another two bites, which I guess is kind of fair because they caught them pretty, you know, they were catching numbers of fish. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, if you're not catching them, why wouldn't you just go, like, look? It's warm, sunny, out of the wind back there. Oh, well, such is life. Still a solid performance, Slippery Rock. Oh, yeah. The Slippery Rock did great. For one, we got to say Slippery Rock a bunch, which remains yeah. one of the most hilarious <laughs> names for a school ever. Uh, uh, and for two, they had a top ten in Florida. So, shouts to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the the rest of the guys, I don't. I mean, we don't need to keep ripping down through them uh, unless you really want to. I don't really have. I mean, there's not too much else that like wildly sticks out because a lot of it is hey, we fished offshore. Hey. We found, like, one offshore thing and didn't hold up. There was, yep. like, a couple teams that actually fished shallow, but that was, by and large, I say fish shallow, fish the bank. But by and large, I think we covered, like, the, the juice of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Most of the rest of the schools were sitting on one spot. Shout out to Georgia College uh, for flipping and Little Harris pretty much the entire tournament. That was one of the other, like, different things. Um Whereas everyone else was pretty much winding stuff over grass. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 
shall we move on to uh, Chickamauga? Yeah. All righty. Um, so, anyway. It was... This is the opening event of the Central Division for yes. the Toyota Series. Um, it was on Chick. Uh, I'm sure that we have, at this point, talked a lot about how Jim Neese caught his fish. Because... Um, mm-hmm. One, he won the thing. Two, had him on the show. Uh, so yep, that's yeah. Beautiful. You just heard from him a little while ago. Uh, generally, it was a wild tournament because it snowed at least one of the days. Um, yeah, dude. The the fishing seemed like it was like I guess about what you would expect for that time of year. Like there were ten pounders caught, but it was really cold. I think they're probably pulling. They were pulling a ton of current, so. The uh, water was like rolling every day, um, and if you if you looked at it like fifty seven pounds one, not sixty pounds, not a twenty pound average, uh, but like also there were some like pretty big bags. Like day one there were three three bags over twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, day two there was a twenty five, a twenty four, and a twenty two pound bag. Uh, and then day three, there was just one 20 pound bag. Uh, but also like a lot of people didn't come in with a limit. So yeah. it's one of those deals where it's a pretty tough time to fish Chickamauga. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I mean, as you said, all things considered snow, a lot of current, um, they caught them good. Yeah, I think I think they caught him pretty decent. Um, would have loved to see Buddy Gross in this tournament. Oh my gosh! Um, you know Wesley Strader made the top ten, uh, which we love, obviously. You know, yeah. being the uh, I would say foremost Wesley Strader fans in the world. Uh, well, maybe not foremost, <laughs> but up there. Uh, and like Michael Neal did pretty good. Andy Morgan caught nineteen pounds on day two. Uh, like. Some uh, there were some like super hammers in this derby. Um, also, shout out to Brendan McCourt who finished twenty fourth. Oh yeah! Uh, by the way, he had a really good day one, less good day two. Still cut a check. Um, but yeah, it was a I don't know. It was it was a cool tournament uh, to follow, like very much from a distance because I was not <laughs> yeah. super dialed in on this event. Oh hey, update. Those crankbaits went into my cart and tackle warehouse. Oh, you just had to give it a minute. Well, I had to refresh, and it looks like it worked. Mm. Uh, so, tackle warehouse, back up, everybody. Get by it. <laughs> Commence the order. Yeah. Um, but, uh, gosh, it was still, like, it's still kind of fun um, to go to check to see some 10-pounders. And I like that we're having more Tennessee River tournaments that aren't pure ledge fishing events. I like that we're having more Tennessee River tournaments that aren't uh, pure summer events. Uh, and this one, I mean, it, it was kind of a swim bait, and it was kind of a lipless deal, but mm-hmm. it, it had, like, enough variety where I think it's more interesting than just straight up a ledge derby. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, which, if John Cox is in your tournament, it's never a ledge derby. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make sure of that. Yeah, love you, John. Um, give me any thoughts from that. Uh, I don't. I thought for a while there, Brent Butler. He won last year. I thought he might win again. I really had Dude, high it hopes. Like it just it. seemed yeah. like it seemed like he had it going on. 
Um, didn't work out, but I was like, man, this guy might he might really do it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think we're in pretty good shape on the tournament wrap-up front. Uh, we're recording on Monday, so we're not doing BFLs today, right, Kyle? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Um, shout out to the BFL winners, though. Yeah, major shout out to them. <laughs> uh, let's see. We want. There was a specific one who I can't remember now who we wanted to uh, shout out. Oh, uh, it would have been the Ozark Division on Table Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel Willard. Yeah, how Joel finished like a. Like 11th, I think? All right. Well, congrats to Joel on doing well. We love you, buddy. Also, um, yeah, there were like some decent weights. Um, no 50-pound bag like Rayburn kicked out the other week for the Texas team trail. Oh, but, my uh, God. <laughs> you know, so that was the same day that Laramie weighed like 30 pounds or whatever, and I felt really bad for him because, yeah, 30 pounds was awesome. Right. But also, like, that would have been the talk of the town except uh, – uh, actually, like, 100 people did that on Sam Rayburn that day, and guys weighed 50 pounds, which is, like, the lake record and one of the biggest bags ever, and, like, we're just all sitting there floored by that. Yep. So, I was a bit of a bummer, but, you know, such is life. Such is life. Yeah. Um, Kyle, should we talk about some fishing? Let's talk about some fishing. Let's talk more importantly about your 10-pounder that we teased people with the other week and uh, just never then got back to it. Yeah, but now we're going to talk about it. We're here. Um, so Jody, you caught a 10-pounder. Hey, pounder. Kyle, I caught a 10-pounder. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everybody should catch a 10-pounder. It was uh, the most incredible thing ever. Highly recommend it, um, in case you're wondering. Now, I, I, I've heard about this. Uh, several times, but I think really set the stage for the folks uh, because it wasn't like you were just casting around a speedworm and you caught a 10-pounder. No, I saw a 10-pounder. Well, I yeah. saw a huge fish. So, day before, I lost a fish on a bed, and then I, she would never come back to it. And, like, she was big. She was probably a personal best, definitely, like, let's say 7-plus, right? Really big. Okay. Um, yeah. Honestly, if I had to guess, like, based on the size of that fish and the size of this 10-pounder, like, I would say it was probably an 8-pounder kind of fish. Like, real big. But anyway, day t- this next day, I'm cruising along the bank, uh, throwing a horny toad out in front, just looking, you know? Like, because they were spawning. Like, I knew they were, I knew they were, like, hitting the bank pretty hard. John Cox would have been literally in heaven. Um, <laughs> and, uh... I cruised, I cruised over, and I saw a bed, and I didn't see anything on it. And then I saw, like, a really big fish, like, kind of leaving the bed as I was going over the bed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is huge. Like, this, this fish that I saw was bigger than the fish that I had lost on the bed the day before. Like, I knew it was a giant. Like, I've fished enough in Florida to have seen a lot of big fish in Florida and almost never actually caught them. Uh, because like you go over them in a canal and they leave or they don't want any part of it or they're near a bed but not near a bed well enough or you you see one for just a little bit and then you never see them again like it can be brutal the number of fish you can see but not catch in Florida and like John Cox is one of those guys who he converts a lot of those fish that nobody else converts you know what I mean 
For sure. That's why he's so good. Uh, this fish was like easy to convert. I turned around, I pulled up, sort of toward where the bed was, and I made two casts with the horny toad. And this is probably where I really got lucky. Because I should not have ever made those casts with the horny toad. Because, like, Brad Knight has made a living losing big ones on a horny toad in Florida. It's a great way to not... To, it's a, For me, it's a great way to lose a fish. And mm-hmm. you get bites. They love it. But, like, dude, this fish, it was either her or the male. And, like, she cruised off of the bed, like, after the horny toad. And I actually, like, paused it and let it drop to see if they'd bite it. Neither of the fish bit it. But it happened twice, where I could cast up over the bed, and the fish would actually chase the horny toad off it. So, like, dang. You could see the wake. You can, if you... There's a YouTube video I put up, uh, you know, plugs to me, where you can actually see the fish follow the horny toad in. Like, you can't see the fish, but you can see the wake from the fish. Which is wild, right? Dude, I, I would... I don't know what I would do... If I saw a fish of that caliber chasing something on the surface, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that alone would be enough to probably freeze me in my tracks. So kudos to you for not dying immediately. Trying to crush it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think I deserve a lot of credit for being alive still after this experience. Oh man. Yeah. If you, if you watch the video, you will 100% understand why, but uh, continue please. Um, But anyhow, so then I whip out my Texas rig because like, why not? Right. Um, I'm not, and at this point, I had not seen the male yet. Like, I didn't, I, obviously, it was very possible that the male was there, but I did not think, I, I hadn't seen her, or him. But I flip mm-hmm. up to the bed a few times, and like, I think it takes me like two minutes, and I get a bite, miss it, flip back in, catch it. And when I hook up, I'm like, oh my god, this is her! But then, <laughs> a second later, I'm like... This is not her. <laughs> womp, and so womp. I flipped, I, I both flipped like, it's like probably a four pound male, but I've never been like more like. Yeah, it's a good male. Oh, yeah, it was a good one, but I've never been like, yeah. we're like, oh man, what are we doing here? You know, it's like, okay, great, I caught this fish, but this is not what I came for. Yep. And then I think she bit one more time and like pulled the bait down. And so I re rigged the bait. I actually bit the nose of the bait off and re-rigged it on yep. there. Like, I didn't yep. even just put on a whole new bait. I just bit the nose off, fired it back out. It's just sort of sitting there. Like, I basically, like, bring it in the bed and just kill it, basically. And then it started to move off, and, oh, my God. <laughs> I set the hook. The one scenario, There's multiple scenarios where I should have lost this fish. I had the net out and ready, which is clutch. But I had forgotten yep. I'd turned my trolling motor down so low to be so stealthy because I don't have poles on my boat. So, like, I'm just basically there on the trolling motor being stealthy. I couldn't chase the fish yep. or move it at all. And I, like, my brain froze to a degree. <laughs> and I'm, so I fight the fish and it goes to the right, sort of toward me. And then it kind of goes around the front to the other side of the boat, out toward the main lake. Suze, I love what you're doing. <laughs> she's, all, she's all fired up yeah, right look, now. She heard 10-pounders. She came running 10-pounders, very exciting. And then the fish kind of goes away from me. And at this point, my line actually, it gets caught in some grass a little bit. So you, you can't really see it in the video, but I can see it with my eyes, where I'm fighting the fish, and I, 
most of the time I'm not letting it take drag. I'm just giving it line, right? Mm-hmm. Just open my open the bale, thumb on the spool, just sort of letting it do what it wants. Because yep. the last time I lost a 10-pounder in Florida, I lost it because I horsed it. I was not going to make that oh, mistake. You learned. Yeah. But problem was, I'm on fluoro. This fish, it, it basically, it gets... It, a scenario develops where... I don't have a direct, a straight connection between me and the fish. I have a, <laughs> it, there's my line, and it goes down under some grass and then to the fish. And it's not super heavy grass. But it's my floral, and it's a 10-pounder. <laughs> yeah. And so when that grass finally breaks and my line, like, pops back up, I, I didn't, like, I kept tension on it at the same time. It's not perfect tension, right? I was mm-hmm. sure that she was going to come off. But she didn't come off. <laughs> I mean, that's where my head would go in that situation, yeah, too. I'd be like, well, could, that was it. <laughs> and that's the thing. You can see it happening inside of your head. And it yeah, feels, yeah. It feels like it's it ha- it's literally seconds, but it feels like days when you're... <laughs> right. N- the trolling motor's not moving fast enough, and you're watching this, and you're like, oh, my God, this is bad. But it worked. I, I brought it in. I netted <laughs> it. She barely fit in the net. And like then I just lost my mind. Yeah, then then Jody goes berserk. Which also uh, shout out to the uh, bowfin you caught earlier, uh, so that you had the net out and ready. Oh yeah, that's the best part. Otherwise, that that could have been a bigger cluster altogether. Yeah, like <laughs> the only reason I got the net out in the first place was because I caught a bowfin earlier. I, I wanted to get in the boat without like lipping it or something, which would be dumb. <laughs> so I, I netted it, right? And then I. After that, I extended the net the rest of the way, and I got it ready for you know a, a subsequent fish. But I cannot guarantee that I would have gone ahead and got the net out and like got it ready for this <laughs> right. fish. I I think that I probably would have because when I turned around on the fish, like after I saw it and looped up, like I had enough. Like I'm pretty sure I checked my line. Like I I, I had enough time to like make decisions about what to do. So yep. I think that I would have got the net out, but I can't guarantee that I would have. And if I hadn't got the net out, uh, I probably still would have caught it. Because let's be real, the bass cat net storage is great. Like I've landed many large fish while whipping the net out from that compartment. Oh yeah. Yep. On the other hand, it was a ten pounder, and if there was going to be a way I was going to lose it, it would be while trying to get the net out. <laughs> Yep. Because yep. that is not a fish that I'm going to try to hand land or boat flip. Because if I tried to hand land it, I'd lose it for sure. Because I suck at that. <laughs> and if I tried to boat flip it, I would also probably lose it for sure. Because I think I was using 20-pound line. And I don't think 20-pound line is like meant to deadlift 10-pounders. Yeah, probably not. Um, and also, like, it was, she was pretty heavy. I mean, I don't think she would want it to like jump in the yeah. boat. And that was the way to go for me personally in that scenario. It. The stars align for you on this one. And, uh, yeah, like you said, if people haven't seen the video, you should go to Jody's YouTube uh, channel and watch it because it's pretty awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that. Yeah. And it was, like, and also, so, Kyle, you haven't caught a 10-pounder. I desperately want you to catch a 10-pounder. I want everyone to catch a 10-pounder because, you know, there's, like, when I caught a 6-pound smallmouth, I was pretty hyped about it. But I also just kind of went back to work, right? Right, right, And there's something about a 10-pound largemouth, man. Especially, like, 
And me, who hasn't caught a lot of them, like, I guess you could get tired of them. If you're in Florida, you're in Texas, like, yeah, whatever. If Ten you're pounds. Reed, you could get tired of them. Yeah, like, if you're super big time, I get it. But, man, I don't know. I, I can't see myself getting tired of catching 10-pounders. Yeah, and I'm more than down to uh, try to get to the point where I'm tired of it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, like, if we get if we get to that point, well, you know what? Really, it was a tough road to hoe, but, hey, <laughs> right. somebody's got to do it. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, some pretty, it's pretty wild, man. Highly recommend it. Well, then you turn around a couple days later, you caught an eight. Oh uh, yeah, I caught an The eight canceled hundred. day of the pro circuit event. Yeah. Uh, which we by the way, fishing. that eight pounder included like absolutely crushing you and Justin, by the way, in our tournament. Oh gosh. Yeah. We had yeah, a tournament. We, got, we, we, got we put two boats in the water. Teeth royally kicked Yeah. Out. We put two boats in the water at, in the off limits at Harris, which Nice thing about Harris, pretty big off limits. Pretty big off limits, and there's still actually like fish that live in there. Yeah. So it's not uh, just release fish; like there are fish that live actually live there because it's a good place to live. Yeah. Um, and uh, the wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour out of the north. I mean, it was a mildly miserable day to fish. Yeah. Uh, in Florida. But Tim Frederick had told me something just that morning. Cold fronts in Florida, you throw reaction baits, and uh, what I did. Once I did a little bit of idling, uh, put my graphs of choice to work, and lo and behold, found eelgrass, and we caught bass. It was extremely baller. I I was upwind of you when you caught that fish, probably, I don't know, 150 yards, 120 yards, something like that. And like I said, it's blowing real bad. Like, you can hardly, you know, hear yourself think it's blowing so much. And all of a sudden, I heard Jody just giggling and laughing and hollering and hooting and i was like ah crap shout out to charles (laughs) for a great net job by the way um dude here's the thing i was not actually going to be that loud except i knew you guys were right there and so i wanted to make sure that you knew i just caught an eight pounder because i was pretty sure you didn't have any eight pounders (laughs) yeah no we definitely Um, did not have any eight pounders no so like i was like we are gonna make this known (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> Otherwise, I would have just been like, wow, Charles, can you believe? I would have been like a little more chill, but I decided to just go all in. You went all Ike and Ellie on it. I get yeah. it. That's cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure I did yell, never give up. I don't know if you heard that, but <laughs> yeah, I said I it like. I did ex- not hear that. I tried but... <laughs> to be like extremely loud about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, that was cool. And it was like. So shout out to Matt Stefan for telling me there might be shell bars in there that hypothetically I should look for. Never did find any of shell. But. Like, the whole reason I turned on my graph and, like, idled up and looked and, like, put my... Was to fish that stuff, and it worked, you know? It was like... Yeah. It, it, I don't often have things come together that well. So it was really nice no. when it did. <laughs> that And that is one of the best feelings in fishing. When you do something like that that you haven't really done a whole lot or, or maybe aren't, like, super sold is going to be a thing. But, like, there, you know, you find some eelgrass. You're like, I don't know. It looks good. You turn around, you throw a chatterbait through it, and you catch an eight-pounder. Then you're like, oh, cool. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Granted, that eight-pounder, I was, like, running the pattern at that point. Because, yeah. like, I I had, you know, I you saw me. I idled by you guys, and mm-hmm. I put waypoints uh, at next to that island. I put them on the patch where I caught the eight-pounder, and then I put them on another patch that I got bit on, like, twice right underneath your boat, uh, but didn't yeah. hook up on yep. The, the one annoying thing about that day was the first fish I caught out of the eelgrass was on a 
was on a trap. And it choked it, like, had the front hook in its gills. I don't know how this fish, one, didn't bleed out, because it didn't, didn't bleed at all. Two, like, I don't know how it got that <laughs> bait, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then I never hooked a fish on a trap the rest of the time. They would slap it and, not, and not hook up on it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But they wanted the chatterbait, so I wasn't going to, you know, complain. Sure. Um, all right. Kyle, I think we might have talked all we can talk. Or hey, we might have talked uh, a I did sufficient get a, amount. We're up past I got to go fishing with you while we were down there. Oh, yeah. And I was dialed on pickerel. Oh, dude, you were crushing. It's like my northern roots followed me down there, and it was just toothy critter after toothy critter. Yeah. You know, I was really glad that we got to go fishing because one, I love fishing with Kyle, and two, I love fishing. Oh, I love fishing with you. Oh, that's so nice. And it was a nice break uh, between derbs too. It was, and the weather was good. I mean, it was kind of windy. Yeah. The one day at the second lake, but like by and large, it was beautiful. We were outside. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I like just hopping around all the different. You can try so many lakes in Florida. I love that. Yeah. Um, but like. That we did. We did. Some I wish we had got. Yeah, I wish we'd caught a big one. That's all right. Next time. Yeah, for sure. Right, Suze? Yeah, Suze is down for next time. And I do think that we yeah, will catch a big part. one uh, sometime here. What are you? Side note: What are you doing between? You're probably turkey hunting, but what are you doing between Martin and Cherokee? Uh, maybe trying to catch a fish, but definitely chasing some Alabama turkeys. Okay. I was curious about that, because that week I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life as well. Um, Just come bum with us. Come live with me and Rob. Well, I might. Probably spend some time with Webster. Probably spend some time with John Canada. Um, Does sound good. I, anyway, yeah, I'm go not going to shoot turkeys, obviously. I'm going to go fish. But, you know, I'm definitely... I got some... I got some decisions about that week to make. Uh, yeah, we can we can discuss uh, more in the in the coming weeks here. Yeah, we got quite a quite a while. Um, let's see. Let's. Uh, I think I would say let's end this. But Kyle, who do you think is going to win the classic? Ooh, man, John Cox. He says he's having a terrible practice and that the lake sucks. Yep. So yep. it sounds 100%, good. Hundred percent a nod to to win. John or Gray? That's uh, uh, that's who I'm pulling for. Come on, Gray. Oh, dude, I would love if Gray won. It would be Gray is so I like Gray so much. Big Gray Buck fan. I do too. Um, I think that a Johnston brother is going to win. It. Yeah, I, that's. I think that they should. They're very good. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And they're not like I think that's a really good serious. Yeah, take. like on a from a serious standpoint, I think a Johnston brother is going to win. At the same time, I mean, John might catch him. Like I have gleaned just enough information from him and Rob to feel sort of confident about John. And yeah, yep, he's John Cox. Like he is John. He's Cox. due to he's due to continue to amaze us. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if he did if he does win, it will not surprise me at all. Because he's John Cox. For sure. Um, dude, Gray would be cool though. I would be extremely down for that. 
I tell you what, though, if Gray does win, he's going to really throw the balance of power off in the house that they've got because it's Gray and Becker <laughs> and uh, Tyler Stewart and Dylan Hayes. And Dylan Hayes. And, like, I don't know that Tyler Stewart has ever won a really big tournament. Uh, Becker, Hayes, and Gray, like, they've all won at the AAA level. But, like, dude, if Gray's, like, walking in there with, you know, Bassmaster <laughs> Classic chance, I tell you what, they better. They better all be cooking, you know, every meal for Gray. Like, hey, Gray, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> right. I'll make it. <laughs> I what would you, you like on your sandwich today? <laughs> like, I would like Gray to really hold it over them a little bit. Yes, yes. Which he won't because he's too I nice. I know, but, but I think it that would be he fun should. if he did. I think he would have the yeah. right to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, I think it's been a great show. Uh, Kyle, you're on Instagram. It's Kyle Lumber. Uh, I'm there. It's Jody Blanco. FLW is all sorts of places. FLW Fishing is mainly what you want. Uh, FLWFishing.com is a great place to be. We actually, currently, while you're listening to this, we have an FLW series event going on at Lake Hartwell, which is shocking, I know. There's a thousand of them. (laughs) Uh, We didn't even talk about it because we've got too many tournaments, but you should follow that event. It might be really cool uh, because Hartwell is... uh, I think hi, and we're going to certainly find out more about it when the tournament starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be really cool. Um, it might also be tough like that BFL was, but it has a potential to be extremely cool. Um, so, uh, anyway, happy... Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, I guess until next time, see ya. See ya.